right, good morning, everyone. God's people this morning. All right, let's um, let's uh, stand up this morning. I broke out this old song today. I don't know, just kind of just kind of playing around. And this song is probably like 20 years old, so if you guys have been around for a while, you know it. It's got a cool three-four beat. You can kind of dance to it, kind of swing a little bit, get your hips moving. Bye. 
cool, right? Just, just dancing with our Savior this morning.
For the sins of the world His blood breaks the chains And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb Every knee will bow before Him Amen Take it back a little older more than a song it's more than a song I bring you more than a song I bring you more than a song I'm coming back to you Jesus when the music fades and all is stripped away to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required oh you search much deeper than you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart. Coming back. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made. And it's all about you. It's all about you. you deserve I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the thing I've made and it's all about you it's all about you together. I'm coming back to the heart of 
just pray for this offering right now Lord we just thank you for everyone that's gathered here we thank you for the worship that you've already brought in this in our midst and thank you for being present Lord we we bow our heads now and we just ask that you come into our lives and into this service today and Lord as we take this offering we ask that we would, you would just give us um, your strength and your will in this world to do what you've called us to do May this offering be for you, not just to stay here in this church, but to change the world. And we thank you and praise you for this in Jesus' name. Let me 
everybody to greet one another and our kids can be dismissed to children's worship. questions we all ask. Big questions that have a huge effect on our lives. But there's all this information out there that makes finding a solution difficult. So we came up with a better way to give you the answers that you need. We did a survey at Easter and compiled a list of your top six most asked questions. That list then became a roadmap for this message series. Each week we'll examine a single question and discover God's answers based on His Word. It's a series we like to call... One is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Proverbs 24, 3. By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Luke 2, 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And Jack is away this week with his family. Um, but we have a few announcements. So you all received this little flyer in your bulletin for the fall festival celebration. Um, give this to a friend. Invite a friend to come and bring their children. It's a, an evening of fun, games, costumes, um, and, of course, candy. So we are planning this year to just have it inside. The last few years we've been getting rained out, so this year we're ahead of the game. We are just going to plan to have it inside. So um, plan for this Sunday, October 27th from 5 to 7. 
Um, today there is youth group. If you um, have a child in 6th through 12th grade, they're more than welcome to stay. And on 1026, the youth group is going to Camp Pocomath. We also would invite anybody who wants to participate in Grief Share. Um, if you're dealing with the loss of a loved one, this is a great group to come and, and deal with that grief and kind of get through it and build some friendships. For Sunday school, I know all the children have gone out, but we really need the registration forms for, completed for every child um, so that we have all the information about them. So if you have not done so, you can do so online. You can also get a registration form from your child's teacher, and I will have some today too. Um, we have small group leader training this morning right after church. Um, if you've ever thought about being a small group leader, we'd love to have you join us. Come and um, we'll do a training. It will be no more than an hour. It won't be long. Um, and then we have our church-wide small group study called What's Next that starts next week. So we'll kick it off with a sermon. And there are clipboards all around if you'd like to pass those around so that you can participate in one of our groups. Um, go ahead and do that. And Paris Foundation is on October 20th. So if you'd like to participate in that, we'd love to have your help. And the clipboard is out in the um, Bell Cafe for you to sign up. Let's go to our prayer request. We have one prayer request this morning from Joanne Edwards. Um, prayers for a good report for baby Harper, who has an appointment with the kidney doctor on Tuesday, and we're praying for her continued healing. Um, I see Laura back there. We'd like to continue to pray for Laura, too, for her healing as she goes through her treatment. And pray. We have a lot of families out traveling this week. We pray for them that they'll have um, safe travels. So let's all go to the Lord in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, thank you for your sweet spirit here this morning, and thank you for meeting us here. Thank you, Lord, that we are able to come to you and worship you, and we have the freedom to do so. And thank you, Lord, that um, we have this, this building and we have the opportunity. You, you don't say, I'm God, and you're not, and you can't talk to me. You want to be our Heavenly Father, and you want to spend time with us, and we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for all of your many blessings, for bringing us back, each one of us, this week, for keeping us safe, Lord, in all the times that we didn't even realize that we needed to be kept safe, but you put your loving arms around us and kept us safe. We pray, dear Lord, that you would be with baby Harper as she goes back to the doctor this week. We pray for your continued healing. We're trusting in you, Lord, that you're going to heal her body and make it whole. We pray for Laura, Lord, as she's going through her, her treatments, that you would just be with her. You'd continue the healing process. We know, Lord, that you um, gave her that beautiful baby, and we, we just pray that you'll be with her to give her the strength and energy she needs to be able to take care of him. We pray, Lord, for all the unspoken needs. There are so many. And we don't know them all, but Lord, you do. And you know the heart and mind of each person here and what they're dealing with. We pray that you'll be with those needs. You'll keep them. And you'll let the, each person know that you're guiding them and that you're with them. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hold on.
I can't move that thing. Keith's coming. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So we are wrapping up our six-week series on You Want It to Know. And maybe this series, you're saying, well, you didn't answer the questions I have. Well, hold those questions. Write them down somewhere so you don't forget them. Because next Easter, we're going to do a survey again. And you'll get to let us know what you want to hear about. And um, then we'll get those in next year. So as we've already said, next week, we start a brand new series called What's Next? Um, this is a series by Chris Hodges, and we had this in the bulletin a few weeks ago, and the clipboards are going around. This series is um, all about how to take your faith and how to take your faith journey deeper and go where you want, where God wants you to go. So it's really exploring that with you. Now, you might say, well, I don't need that. I'm good. But I would encourage you. I've read the book. It's for everybody. It really is. So um, if you have not participated in a group, I would encourage you to hook up into one of our small groups um, and see what it's all about. It's a five-week commitment, so it's not a long commitment, and um, I'm sure you'll get something out of it. So we'd love to have you join us. We are out of books today, but I will have them next Sunday. Um, so we'll have those for you. Now, our topic today is, how do I raise kids today? And that's not a unique question. There, since Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel, people have been saying, well, how on earth do I raise my kids today? Um, but you know what? Today, technology has brought in a whole different um, set of issues, right? And today, because of technology and everything in our society, there are some parenting pressures that people are facing. So I did some research for this, um, and we are feeling as parents immense pressure to keep up with unrealistic and often unhealthy expectations that we are feeling we put on ourselves and we're feeling from our society in general. So let me tell you what some of these pressures are, and you can see if you've ever felt them as a parent. Now, before I do that, though, I want to just tell you, if you're thinking, my kids are raised, I don't need to listen to this, I'm good, there's a piece of this for everybody. Because, you know what, we were not called to raise our children as individuals, we were called to raise our children in community. So... That means each of us has a role in the raising of the children here and the children that you experience in your life. So don't tune me out just because you don't have children. Stay, just stay with me and listen. All right, so nine parenting pressures, some parenting pressures that people are feeling today. First of all, my child must be in structured activities. Early childhood activities, early childhood education, and sports by the earliest age possible if they're going to be successful. 
My child must be entertained at all times, especially if I want them to be quiet and want them to be happy. Entertainment might include going to the toddler movie, needing creative crafts and activities at their immediate disposal, having the latest gadget that all the kids are talking about, and being technologically savvy and entertained by the computer, the TV, the iPad, the iPhone, video games. So we like entertainment, right? My child must be well-mannered, self-controlled, and obedient at all times in public, or I must be doing something wrong as a parent. And I think we've all felt that way, right? We, we're a little like, Ew. My child must excel at something to keep up with all the other baby geniuses. Otherwise, I might just have an average child. Um, if my child isn't reading by the age of four, I must have done something wrong. I didn't play the music in the womb. I didn't show them baby Einstein videos through infancy or provide an intellectually stimulating environment for them. My child must begin a sport or cultural activity by the earliest age possible or they won't be able to compete with their peers. He or she needs to be on a traveling team, even if it requires all of our time, our energy, and our money in order that we provide the best opportunities for them. And then finally, you can fill in the blank. My child must be homeschooled in private education, in public education, fed organic food, vaccinated, not vaccinated, right? We get all these messages about what we're supposed to do. And none of these are bad within themselves, but they can plant subtle little lies in our head that give us these great expectations that don't line up with the expectations that God has for us as parents. So today I'm not going to talk about the do's and don'ts of parenting. I'm not going to talk about spanking, no spanking, timeout, not timeout, feeding, bedtimes. I'm not going to talk about that. That's a personal issue for you to decide. Instead, I'm going to focus and dig a little deeper into some philosophical ideas and some biblical ideas as we discover God's view of parenting. Does that sound good? Okay. So, as I said, you might think things are really different um, for kids today, but really not so much. Think about this for a minute. Your kids fight. Anybody have kids that fight all the time? Well, they're not killing each other. Cain and Abel, look at them, right? Do your kids jealous of each other? It was in the Bible too. Joseph's brothers were so jealous that they beat him up and sold him into slavery. That's not happening in your house, right? Um. Then we have Jacob and Esau, right, who tricked their dad. Jacob tricked his dad. So your kids want more. Do they, are they always asking more, more, more? I need this. I want that. I see this. I see that. Um, look at the prodigal son. He actually wanted his inheritance and said, see you, dad, right? So if your kids haven't done that, you're still ahead of the game. You're ahead of what's in the Bible. So that's a good thing. So people have been asking about parenting um, since the beginning of time. So let's get started. There are two primary views of parenting. 
And we all fall into one of these areas. If we use the Bible as our guide, then the gospel view of parenting says that we are ambassadors. So I want you to think with me for a minute about what an ambassador is. Um, you know, you might hear on the news, ambassador to China, ambassador to Iraq, ambassador to wherever. An ambassador represents the message, methods, and character of the leader they're representing. So these ambassadors to these countries are representing the United States and our message. They don't get to go over there and do whatever they want. They're representing the United States message. So an ambassador doesn't represent their own needs. And as parents, we're put on earth here and have children to be God's ambassadors. Now, as I was thinking this morning about this, another good word to use would be stewards. Okay, in other words, we're put on earth here to be God's stewards of our children. What does that mean? It means that we don't own our children. And some of us might have a tendency to think that our children belong to us. But that's not biblical. Our children are not ours. They're God's. So, um, the other view of parenting, ambassador, then we also have ownership parenting. And this is the view of parenting that's held by most of the world. It's shaped by what parents want for their children and from their children. So what they want for and from. We have a vision of what we want our children to be and what we want them to give us in return. Now, I'm going to tell you, we all fall. We all might say, yep, my children are God's children. And then in the very next instant, when we're at home with our kids and they're on our everlast nerve, and we say, if you don't get over here, I'm going to take you out of this world right now. Right? So we go back and forth. Right? Nobody is a perfect ambassador or a perfect steward of their children. And nobody is 100% ownership of their, has an ownership view of their children. We all go back and forth because parenting's hard. But there is a challenge, right, that it seems right, it feels right, um, and ownership seems like it would provide some good things, but it's not what God intends in the life of, of the children that he's entrusted us with. So we have to get this view straight. And I want you to think about that. And you're going to catch yourself now when you say, get over here, right? Am I being an owner or am I being an ambassador or a steward? And we can say that we give our children to God, that we are just here guiding them until he challenges us. And I always thought in my mind, I had this straight, right? I'm I really viewed my kids as I was being a steward. They're not mine, they're God's. Until my oldest son was in Kuwait, and my youngest son calls me and says, Mom, guess what? I'm getting deployed. I'm going to Kuwait. And I'm like, oh no, God, this isn't fair. These are my kids. And he's like, oh no, Debbie. Remember, they don't belong to you. And so as it turned out, they didn't both end up there at the same time. There was about a year's difference between the, the times that they were there. 
But then I really started realizing, oh, yeah, I do have that ownership attitude. And I think it's real easy to fall back into it. So we're constantly torn between what we want and what God wants. Um, sin makes us more natural owners. Sin makes us more demanding than patient, right? I said, get your bath now. How many of us, we expect our children to go get their bath when we tell them to? And sin makes it easier to talk at people than listen to them. So the thing that gets in the way of us being ambassadors, being over here as ambassadors, is really us. It's the sin in our lives. And one of the other things that happens is that we, are, we get tired because parenting's hard work, right? We didn't realize it was going to be this hard. At least I didn't when, when I had kids. So we are fighting this battle daily by what we think is best and what God says is best. And we become conflicted because our culture is sending messages all the time about parenting and what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. But the Bible also has some clear messages. So on a practical level, let's look at this. An owner. For the identity, um, an owner looks at identity as coming from their children. So identity is simply where you find your sense of who you are. Owner parents get their identity from their children. In other words, their children have to be good all the time. They have to sit in the chairs. They can't run around and hoot and holler because then that's a reflection of me. So they're taking their children's failures personally. On the other hand, ambassadors recognize that they're representatives of God and they get their sense of identity from God. This gives ambassadors a sense of freedom. You can just kind of rest knowing that your children are God's children and recognizing that you're not in control of their identity and what they do is not who you are. So as owners, we tend to think that it's our job to turn our kids into something. We have a vision from the time they're little of what we want them to be. That's why we buy little ballerina outfits for babies and we buy football outfits and we buy all of these outfits because we have an idea of what we want our children to be when they grow up. And so as owners, we think it's our job to turn our kids into something. We spend our time, our energy, and our money um, to form our kids into what we've conceived them to be. But that's not biblical. Ambassadors, owners have a catalog in their minds of how they'll know if they're a parenting success. So imagine a catalog. So I'll take a... Um, I'll take this in academics, and I'll take this in athletics, and I'll take this in artistic ability, and I'll take this in musical ability, and I'll take this in social likability. Because I want them to have lots of friends, but not too many. So I'm going through the catalog, and I'm picking, I'm shopping. 
Unfortunately, these things don't measure successful parenting. We think they do. If our kids are getting good grades, then I must be a parenting success. If they're very athletic, I must be a parenting success. And if everybody likes them, well, of course I'm a success. But good parents don't always produce good kids. And so as an ambassador, we have to realize that we have no power to produce anything in our children. Successful parenting is not about what you have produced, but it's about what you have done. Successful parenting is about being a useful and faithful tool for God. So that's what parenting is all about, being a useful tool for God. Because he's the one who can produce good things in our children. And that should take a huge burden off of you right now because you should be sitting there saying, huh, I'm not responsible for what my children become. That's God's job. Now, you might say, okay, well then how do we do this? Well, fortunately, God has given us a blueprint for raising kids. And I'll bet you didn't realize how many verses in the Bible really talk about parenting. But God gives us his word, his Bible, the Bible, to, to tell us how to raise our kids. And there are several verses, and we're going to use some of the, um, the ones that Rachel read for us, and then we have some others that we're going to add in. And we hang our hats, um, a lot of us, on Proverbs 22, 6, which, which says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. I'm going to tell you right now that there are a lot of parents who've hung their hat on that verse. And they're very frustrated because they don't see their children coming back. So I would say to you, hold tight. Keep praying. Don't give up. And just hang on. Now, in the same chapter, verse 22, or chapter 22, verse 15, it says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Do you know what folly means? It means foolishness. And if you think about it, kids are foolish. I mean, honestly, why wouldn't they listen to grown-ups who've been there, done that, when we tell them, you know, go to bed now? When we tell them what to do, but no, because they think they're wiser. He knows better than us. And foolishness is what makes her think she's an authority, right? When they get about 10 to 15 or so and they think they know everything, that's folly. That's foolishness. So parenting gets to the heart of our core actions and thoughts. Now, I'm going to throw something out here. I want you to think about this. Parenting is holy work. We don't think about that. We don't think that it's holy work, but it really is. And knowing that it's holy work, you're doing the work of God... Because if you think about it, God's God and he could have done anything. He could have put every person on this earth all grown up. He could have done that, right? He would have changed how we were born because obviously we couldn't born, birth adults. 
but we could have been put here all grown up. So he instead decided that we were going to be born babies and we would be raised. So parenting is holy work. And I want you to think about that and it should satisfy you on the good days when you're thinking, yeah, I got this parenting thing. My kids are eating their peas and they're, and they're doing exactly what I want them to do. But it should also give you hope on the bad days, on the hard days. The hard days when nothing's going right, when your two-year-old spills his milk in the middle of the floor on purpose, right? Those are hard days. But knowing that it's holy work, because it's holy work because our job is to mold and shape our children into who God is calling them to be. And on those hard days, I want you to remember, I want you to think about this. How many of us fail to do what God wants us to do every day? We all fail, right? But does our Heavenly Father say, get frustrated with us and say, I told you to do this? No. He's patient. He's loving. He's kind. And so we need to be modeling that for our children, we need to be showing them who God is. And how do we do that? We show them that by modeling the example that Christ has set for us. So let's look at Deuteronomy um, 6 verses 5 through 9. Because this is where it really gets to the heart of it. It starts way back in the Old Testament. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Oops, I added that. With all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you walk along the road. When you sit down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, this passage sums up our work as parents. God designed you to be the consistent, the principal, consistent, faithful tool in his hands for the purpose of creating God consciousness and God's submission in your children. The most essential thing we can give our kids, we can give them everything material-wise, but the most important thing that we can give our kids is God consciousness. Church is not a substitute. It's just an assistant. So this verse tells us that we need to be talking about God at home, in our houses. We need to be showing them our children, how God loves us each and every day. And if we're only coming to church on Sunday, it's not going to work. We have to be doing it every single day in our house. And then if you go on and you read Deuteronomy 6, the, the entire chapter, verses 20 to 23, clearly address 
the whole community. And they say that the whole community is responsible. So the whole community needs to be sharing about God, helping the children to see, forming it on their hearts. Now, you might say, okay, well, how do I do this and, and still make my children behave because every once in a while they get out of hand and I have to have rules and I have to discipline them. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. But when we discipline our children, we need to remember that we are to do it with love as God loves us. So... Although we, we can go through and we can write, the door write it on our door frames, write it on our um, houses and that sort of thing, our children and us have a huge problem. And that problem is sin. Your children from a very young age have the ability to look around them and not see God in our world. I think we would all agree it's very easy. We turn on the TV and we don't see God in our world, right? They'll see the signs, the creation. You look out and you see the beautiful trees and flowers and that sort of thing and the cool, crisp air that we woke up to this morning. But they're failing to connect those signs to the existence and glory of God. And if you don't acknowledge God, you make the world all about you. But wait, there's more, because at some point, and if you have a two-year-old, a three-year-old, you know this, they start to wonder why. And when they ask why, how many of us, because we're tired and worn out, we say, because I said so, or because I told you so, right? When... We do that, we miss out on the opportunity to show them who God is. As parents, we need to talk about God's grace and the story of redemption that he has given to each of us. We need to talk about God as a helper, not as a judge, because I've heard parents do this. God's watching you. He knows you're not being have. Why would we want our kids to be afraid of who God is? Because then they're going to run from him. Instead, we need to talk about God's love and how he comes to us in our weakness and he gives us his forgiveness, <clears throat> his wisdom and strength. You can blow your child away with God's patience. Because all kids are going to try our patience and give them God's forgiveness, mercy, and love. His gift of grace is a daily instrument to you as a parent. So as I've said several times, parenting's hard because it never ends. And when you're the most tired, that's when they're up all night, Right? That's when they decide to get sick is when you're tired and you're worn out. But know that God has given you his grace as a daily instrument. He wants you to rely on his grace to raise, you as, to raise your children. 
Now, we're going to get some practical tips here real quick. The first thing God really wants us to impart to our children is wisdom. And how do we do that? We teach them to fear God. Now, you might say, well, Debbie, you just told me not to say, God's going to get you. I don't mean fear that way. In the Hebrew language, fear um, meant respect. And it means um, a superior awesomeness. And so we need to work with our children to teach them how God, how awesome God is. To give them that sense of reverence. To give them that understanding that God in his magnificence created this world. And he created them. And your job is to mold them and grow them into the human beings that God has called them to be. Next, as we talk about stature. And as we look at stature, we're like, that's not a word that we use often either. But stature in the Bible means maturity with increasing age. So in other words, when they're five, we can't expect them to be as mature as they are when they're 13, right? And how many of us have said, stop acting like a three-year-old, right? When we're in Walmart or something and they want everything, we're like, stop acting like you're five years old when they're 10, right? So that makes sense. Children should be more mature as they get older. And Luke 2.52 tells us that Jesus did the same thing. He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So life is not worth anything unless the race is finished well. And Acts 20.24 tells us that. It says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task that Lord Jesus has given me. So he's telling us we need to finish well. The task we've been given as a parent is to parent well. It's to give our children stature as they age. To see God as creator of the world. To bring our children to an understanding that they need God in their lives. Next, we need to help them discover their purpose. Now, this is really important here. It's not our job to say, you should be a rocket scientist, or you should be a brain surgeon, or you should be this, or I'm not paying for your school unless you do this. Our job is to create opportunities for them, but not impose our desires and dreams on them. We should pray for God's favor on their life. This should be our continuous prayer. Now, we often think when we want God's favor, we think that that means wealth and prosperity. But it doesn't. Favor means demonstrated delight. It's tangible evidence that God, that the person has approval of God. So God shows favor to those who he delights in, who delight in him. Isaiah 66, 2 said, These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit. 
Now, honestly, when I look at the word contrite, I'm like, I don't like that word. I don't even really kind of know what it means. It sounds like contrary, but it's not really. So I look it up in the message version, and the message says it this way. Something I'm looking for in a person, simple and plain, reverently responsive to what I say. And so if we take that verse and we look at it, then we're wanting for our children and our prayer daily for our children should be that they're reverently responsive to the word of God, to the Bible. Next, favor with man. Now, when we talk about favor with man, it could be favor with women. It could be favor with others, basically. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish, selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. We need to care about other people, and we need to teach our children to care about other people. We need to put ourselves aside. And I don't know about you, but as I look around in today's world, I see a lot of kids caring a lot about themselves and putting themselves above others. But that's not how God says we should raise our children. God says we need to teach them that others are better than themselves. So we need to teach them to put themselves aside. And that might mean going out of their way to do something for someone else. It might mean getting the smaller ice cream and giving the bigger one to their sister, right? It can start very simple. So how do we do this, and how do we make sure that there's favor with man? So as I um, thought about this, the first thing is honesty. We need to teach our children to be honest. And we might say, yeah, that's, of course I teach my kids to be honest, but how often do our kids hear us tell an untruth, tell a lie? Right? How often do we say on the phone, oh no, she's not here. When they're sitting right there. We're not teaching our kids to be honest then. So we need to teach our kids to be honest by being honest. We need to teach our kids honor. In other words, we need to teach them to honor older people. We need to teach them to honor God and really spend time with that. And finally, we need to teach our kids respect. That's kind of gone by the wayside. There's nothing wrong with teaching them to say Mr. and Mrs. Please and thank you. When I was growing up, I, I was thinking about this early this morning. When I was growing up, my dad taught me three things. And every time I'd get into trouble, he'd sit me down and make me repeat them to him. And if I couldn't remember them, then I got in even more trouble. So I started repeating them over and over so I would learn them because, you know, when you're on the spot, sometimes it's really hard to remember. But he always said, you need to respect yourself. You need to respect others, and you need to respect the property of others. And so if we can teach our children that, 
then they will have favor with man. And finally, we come, we need to pray and teach our children to have favor with God. Joshua 24:15 is a well-known verse um, in the Old Testament that says, "Choose yourselves this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord." So you take a stand, just as Joshua did. You take a stand. That it doesn't matter what's going on out there in the world. You and your house, you're going to serve the Lord. So you might say, okay, well, how do I do that? I've got these kids running around going crazy. How do I do that? First, make Jesus the Lord of your home. Seek his guidance. Live under his grace. There was a 2019 children's ministry report And um, there were a lot of different questions on there. But bottom line, it discovered that parents make the most impact on their children. And the second highest um, level of who makes the most impact on children, it was a family member. So family members and parents are the two most important categories of people. Now, this was children's ministry, so you would think they want to have children's ministry be the top impact, but it's really parents. So how do parents do this? First of all, you have to model faith in your home. You have to make sure that that God is talked about more than just on Sunday mornings. Do your children look forward to coming to church? Or, Or are you all like... Oh, we got to go to church today. It's Sunday. No, start looking forward to it. Get them excited. The other thing is, you can't just have it on Sunday morning. You've got to have it every day in your house. Find opportunities to talk about God in your home. Live a life of faith will create questions. And avoid going along with what culture says. And instead, follow a biblical worldview. Just because culture says you should be doing something as parents doesn't mean you have to be doing it. So next, we need to show them our love for God. 1 Corinthians 11.1 says, Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Now, if you've ever had children, you know they imitate you because you know that word you said that you didn't want them to repeat. That's the word they repeat for the next three weeks everywhere you go, right? But they're watching everything we do. And so we need to make sure that we're worthy of imitation. Our children need to see us living out our love for Christ, loving others and loving Christ. Because if they see us doing that, guess what? They're going to imitate that too. Two-thirds of all children come to Christ before the age of 18. That was in that same children's ministry report. So if that's the case, then we have a lot of work to do between the ages of zero from birth to 18. Because we need to make sure our children know who Christ is during those years. We can't say we're too busy. We can't say, 
Oh, when they're older, they can make their own choice. They need to know who Christ is today so that they can follow in our footsteps. They can imitate us. And yes, they might imitate us initially, but their faith will become their own. So they need to see us making decisions based on who Christ is in our lives. And if we make our decisions and say, oh, I'm too tired today. Um, I'm just going to, we're not going to church because we're all real tired. We've been busy. They're going to think they don't need him. And we need to be like Jesus in every situation. Now, this is a hard one. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgives you. That means we have to put differences aside and let our children, because they're imitating us, remember. So we have to act like Jesus in every situation. In those situations when it's hard, in those situations where we get out to the car and we realize that the cashier did not see the case of water under our cart in Walmart, we need to go back in. And we need to say, oh, you didn't charge me for this. They're going to look at you like you're crazy. The $3 that you took time to come back in for. But your kids are going to see that. And they're going to see, wow. And so we need to be like Jesus in every situation. Not easy. And we can't do it unless we're staying close to him. So as we wrap up today, I want you to know parenting is hard work. It's going to expose your weaknesses. So every weakness you have, your kids will find out. And they're going to challenge your faith. But the good news of the gospel is you don't have to hide your struggles. God is walking the parenting journey with you. For him, now this is really important. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, gosh, I, I've screwed up a lot as a parent. Success is not about the results you have produced. Success for God, he's looking at your faithfulness, and that's how he's measuring success, is your faithfulness. Because you can't make your children love God, you can't make them to surrender to God, you can't make them worship God, but what you can do is what he's calling you to do. You can be faithful to do good towards your children each day and know that the results are ultimately in God's hands. Now, as the praise team's coming, we all stand. Um, I'm going to throw a verse out here, and I want you to think about this. It's not commonly a verse that we use for when we're talking about parenting. And that is the, the Great Commission found in Matthew 28. And Matthew 28 says, go ye, into there, go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Holy Spirit. Bottom line, our job as parents is to disciple our children, 
to introduce them to Jesus and disciple them all along the way so that when they're older, they can make their own decision because we can't do it for them, but we can just guide the way. And so I think sometimes that's really hard because as parents, we want to fix it. We see the mistakes they're making, right? And we say, oh, I can fix that. And it starts when they're very young, when they're learning to walk and they start to fall and we start to grab them instead of letting them fall. Now, honestly, I'm not saying you should let them fall out in the middle of the road, but if they're falling on the carpet, we need to let them fall because that's how they learn. That's how they get back up. And sometimes God lets us fall. So if we're thinking about who God is in our lives and how he handles us, and we start thinking the same way for our children, it's going to change the whole way we parent. It's going to make us love our children more. It's going to make us realize all I have to do is be faithful to God, and I'm a success. I'm not responsible for what they become. God will take care of that. So let's all go to prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the children in our lives and for those that we're able to connect with, Lord. Maybe those who were not their parents, were not their family, but were like family. We thank you for those opportunities to be with those children. But Lord, as anybody who's been a parent for a while knows, parenting is hard. And parenting doesn't get easier just because our children get older. In some ways, it gets a lot harder. When they're young, we can fix everything. And as they get older, we can't fix it all. But Lord, we pray that you would help us to not try to fix things, but instead rely on you. We pray that, Lord, you will guide us and direct us each and every day in this journey as we parent our children. Help us to know, Lord, what to say, what to do, that our children will see you in us. We pray that, Lord, you would guide us, strengthen us, reassure us, Lord, because there are sometimes doubts in our mind when we don't know, are we doing the right thing? We pray that you'll be with us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. beginning one with God the Lord most high your hidden glory and creation now revealed in you are Christ what a beautiful name it is what a beautiful name it is the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. 
without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. But what could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. positive impact even if you're not their parent we all as, as we learned in Deuteronomy we all have a responsibility to children in our lives 
to show them who God is and how much he loves them and how much he loves each of us. So this week, go and have a good week. And I'll pray us out. Jesus, we thank you for every blessing. And we just pray that this week you'll be with us. You'll keep us centered on you. You'll give us your grace, Lord, because we know we're going to screw this up. And if we're parents of younger children, we know that they're going to pluck our nerves. We just pray that, Jesus, you'll guide us. Show us your way. Help us to always let let our children see you in us. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor. Amen. So we invite you to come back next week. We're going to start What's Next. So have a great week.